0: Well, really, really good morning. It's lovely to be back with you again. Uh, I was with you about 10 months ago, early May last year, and it's great to be back with you again this morning. For those of you um, who I haven't met yet, my name is uh, Dennis Woodward. Um, Many, many years ago, I was baptized in this church community, as was my brother. I was confirmed here many, many more years ago. My parents were even married here, and so I have a long history with this church. It's um, a real privilege to be back with you Uh, Again, this morning, uh, I brought my family with me and just, I think my son is briefly off to the toilet, just at this beautiful moment, perfectly timed, but my, my son Thomas is three. Uh, my daughter Tessa is sitting right here she's 7 um and my wife and we won't reveal her age uh my my wife Anika is um is with me as well and so it's lovely to be back with you again this morning uh i work as a chaplain to the port of Rotterdam for the mission to seafarers now you're very familiar with that charity because you have been a church that's been very generous in your giving and you've continued to support us and um, I have to think of these verses uh, that come to mind in the in the book of Philippians, as you know, Paul was imprisoned and he was so grateful that there was a church who continued to stood behind them. Now I've not been imprisoned, uh, not to be alarmed. Nor am I Paul, thank God. Um, but I am so grateful for your continued giving. It makes such a difference. For example, last December we were able to reach. 500 seafarers by reaching out parcels on board their ships. And so uh, we were able to spread this across 20 ships and uh, bless them with uh, Christmas gifts, uh, with uh, toiletries, woolly hats, beautiful Toblerone chocolates and things. And your giving helped make that happen. And so I'm so grateful. Thank you for what you continue to do. It makes a real difference. And maybe this is a good time to briefly tie into the current sad situation that we face ourselves and that the candles remind us in the um, conflict as Russia invaded uh, Ukraine. i have certainly encountering that on board ships now where it's very common to have a mixture of Ukrainian and Russian officers on board. I come across that quite a lot. Um, and I've already had one Ukrainian seafarer who broke down crying in front of me because he was very, very keen to get back home, protect his family, uh, and actually wanting to fight and stand up for his country. Uh, and yet he was on board a ship. Uh, and even though he had Russian officers on, on board as well, he saw them at his friends. And so I've also come across certain messages where there has been fighting on board. So in your prayers for peace, please remember the seafarers on board uh, where there's peace, hopefully on board ships but also that they'll be able to get back home. Of course, there are all these sanctions now and it won't be easy for Ukrainian and Russian seafarers to return home at the moment. Um, And as a poor chaplain, I'm very aware of this. And so we're trying to help also with authorities and with unions and trying to get seafarers then back home. But thank you for your continued prayers uh, and your generosity. Um, I hope, You're not disheartened, uh, expecting like last time that this will be an entire sermon uh, about seafarers. It will not. That was a brief, brief update. I am available, however, afterwards for more of a chat about that. Yeah, there's one or two now that's a real uh but uh, that's okay i'm hoping we can do some old-fashioned bible study really if that's okay with you we will really delve into this passage of luke Uh, it is the first sunday of lent and so that seemed to be a very um open door to uh to talk about this beautiful passage in luke and i hope you find along the way um just as I did when I started preparing for this sermon and when Jan asked me that there are some beautiful, uh, nuggets in there. And so my sermon this morning is entitled Exploring the Identity of Jesus. We always focus on, um, maybe the, the stuff that we shouldn't do or the way that, uh, you know, his temptation is a bad thing. And I I would like to flip that on its head this morning and really focus on the person of Jesus. And so uh, if you're still with me, just nod your head. Great, you're still with me, that sounds good. Um, So just to paint the scene a little bit where have we landed in the gospel uh, this is something that really was instilled with me in theological college taking one verse out of context can be quite unhelpful and so where have we landed in the gospel why is it here well we've just seen that Jesus has been baptized in the Jordan by John the Baptist which is a very helpful name for someone doing baptisms John the Baptist. And we see as Jesus is praying, heaven is opened and the Holy Spirit descends on Jesus in bodily form like a dove. Uh, And a voice comes from heaven You are my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. And so, Dr. Luke, Luke the physician, whose gospel uh, is an orderly account of the birth, life, death, and resurrection of jesus gives us this helpful insight that jesus himself was about 30 year old when his ministry began and so when does jesus begin his ministry well immediately after these 40 days of temptation by the devil in the wilderness and so that gives us a bit of a context so today's passage that we'll be delving into which are those 13 verses at the start of luke chapter 4 really sit in between uh jesus's baptism and if you like uh you know jesus's commissioning his anointing and his commissioning and we get this bit in between that we'll be exploring together a bit more today and so there's so much going on in these uh, 13 verses, and as I already was saying, I think it gives us a real insight into the identity of Jesus, who he really is, who is Jesus. And so let's explore three of these aspects further. First of all, we see the human Jesus who helps us, the human Jesus who helps us. We get the first two verses. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them, he was hungry. Now, having spent nearly six weeks in the wilderness, Jesus is understandably hungry. He's probably quite famished by now. And so we see a very human Jesus experiencing signs of hunger. Um, And we, this account actually can also be found in different ways. We get accounts here in Matthew four and Mark chapter one also record this. Um, But none of the accounts in the other gospels mention that he was without water for those 40 days. And if we truly believe, if we're followers of Jesus, and we truly believe that Jesus was fully human, then I believe actually he had access to drinking water because it's impossible for any person to be without drinking water for 40 days. Otherwise, you simply don't survive 40 days out in the wilderness. And so Jesus was fully human, or as one uh, biblical commentator puts it, for this reason, Jesus had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that they might become merciful and faithful high priest in service of God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Because Jesus himself suffered when he was being tempted. He's able to help those who are being tempted. I'll just remember, uh, just, um, that final sentence again, because Jesus himself suffered When he was tempted, he's able to help those who are being tempted. You know when my wife and i left uh, to move to britain uh, about 13 years ago now we had a while there where we were unemployed and uh, i'm really sorry if that's something you're currently going through yourself uh, it was quite a hard time for us and we'd we'd left our house in amsterdam and moved to london and uh, a sense of calling i guess we would um look back on it and uh and both had been blessed to have been educated and it was really hard and we had so many rejections and um, i'd studied hotel management at the time was keen to work for hotels and had rejection after rejection after rejection uh, and you had similar things in our field of research and uh, and this was really hard at the times um but what it enabled us is that ever since we've been able to relate to people who've experienced unemployment Uh, because we went through it. Now, I'm not saying you desperately need to go through a period of unemployment to relate to those who are unemployed, but at least for us, it's given us some kind of insight to see, actually, that was really hard, and I can still, if I think back of it, can still remember that knot in my stomach at times. How is this gonna work out? Are we gonna pay this month's rent? We're able to make that? How's this gonna work out? And God provided, and eventually, Jobs popped up, and (laughs) it worked out. Uh, But it didn't feel like that at times. It felt very dark. It felt very heavy. And so I think going through something like that, it enabled us to... And you might have had different. You might have had different. I mean, um, you might have gone through some kind of illness or depression or different things where you're able to relate to those people who've gone through that. Um, And this is the way our loving God can use sometimes these challenges that come along our way in life and he actually can use them for his glory in the way that we can better relate to others and say oh that's actually really hard I'm so sorry to hear that Um, this is what I found helpful at the time this is what I learned through that how are you currently doing and so as I was studying this passage, this really opened up to me in thinking, look, why did Jesus have to go through this? Well, this is the very human Jesus we see. He's hungry, he's tired, and later on in the story, when one of his best friends, Lazarus, died, who he will raise from the dead later on, his first reaction is the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. We even get Jesus on the cross saying, I am thirsty. He's thirsty, he's hungry, he's exhausted. We see a very human Jesus. Why? Because Jesus himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. That's you and I, everyday living, everyday living in 2022, with social media and everything that hits us. That's why Jesus can help it. He Himself went through it. Not the least, the ultimate price and agony and shame He paid for us upon that cross. And from that same cross, Jesus prays for the very people who falsely accused him, sentenced him, and ultimately crucified him, saying, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. So on the cross, he's actually praying for the very people who placed him there. Utterly extraordinary. And so we see, that's the first point, uh, the a very human Jesus who helps us, the human Jesus. Secondly, we see a divine Jesus, who delivers us. Now, the devil tempts Jesus on three different occasions during these 40 days in the wilderness. And temptation is sometimes seen as an absence of God as a sign that God isn't there. However, here I would argue it's very clearly used to commission Jesus at the start of his earthly ministry, his three years on earth as he's followed by this 12 disciples. And so Jesus's temptation begins. And we see the first temptation where the devil says to him, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered it as written, man shall not live on bread alone. It is not unusual that we get this one first, if you like. The devil uses his cheapest shot first. He plays into Jesus's hunger. Imagine being without food for 40 days. Um, I will be completely open and upfront and saying, I already do not do well on a daily fast one day, let alone 40 days. And so he was famished by now, and the devil instantly uses that to say, okay, this is the most obvious thing, he's very hungry, let's play into that. What if you could instantly have bread, just tell this stone to become bread. Man shall not live on bread alone. And we read actually in Genesis 25 that playing into someone's hunger certainly worked for Jacob when Esau came in working the field all day and he was famished, he was exhausted. And Isaac's eldest son Esau sold his birthright to his younger brother Jacob for nothing more than some bread and a bowl of lentil stew. He sold his birthright. And that's how it's done. You play into someone's hunger And the devil is tempting Jesus in a very similar way. But this is not the way our Lord responds to a loaf of bread when the devil tempts him. We actually see here, just like we just explored the human Jesus, here we see a very divine Jesus who truly is the Son of God. And note, don't miss this, my friends, note that not even the devil is denying it. He is casting doubt, this is what the devil does. All of us, I'm sure at times, have had these thoughts of unworthiness, of can I do this, am I good enough to do this? Even if I'm honest, if I'm standing before you right now, this is still a challenge. This is what the devil does, if you are the son of God, he never says, and we get this later on as well, he never says, you're not the son of God. Even the devil has to acknowledge that the divine king is standing before him, if you are the Son of God. He actually acknowledges this, but casting doubt. He doesn't deny that he actually is the Son of God. Jesus responds by quoting from the Hebrew Scriptures, we now call the Old Testament, From the book of Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 3, man does not live on bread alone, but actually the second part of that is, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so Jesus doesn't dismiss his hunger, but decides to trust in God's provision, just like we get in the Old Testament, the manna from heaven, and here Jesus completely praises his trust on God the Father, not in the devil. Then secondly, we get the second temptation. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world and said to him, I will give you their authority and splendor. It's been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will be yours. Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. What the devil wants here?" is what we find often now in our world, or in our media as well, power and authority, influence, status, supreme reign. One or of, two of you might have seen, you know, we get this in the uh, older Disney films, uh, Jafar from Aladdin, and uh, at one point Jafar is like the, He's this magical, huge wizard, but he wants to become even bigger and then traps himself by also becoming a genie, which also comes with a bottle, which becomes the end of Jafar. And so he, you know, this is our our never-ending quest, if you like, what we find in our society for power and authority. And this is what he wants, Jesus bowing down at his feet, worshiping him. And then he says he will give Jesus all the kingdoms of the world, at what cost and so again as one commentator puts it the devil will give Jesus what is due but in the process will extract a great price that is Jesus's full allegiance in effect this is an invitation for Jesus to completely deny his identity as God's son substituting in its place a relationship with the devil And so what Jesus is offered then is a shabby substitute for the divine sonship that is his by birth. Emmanuel, God with us, fully human, fully divine. And so Jesus responds by quoting uh, again from scriptures in Deuteronomy, worship, some translations call it fear the Lord your God and serve him only. Jesus is making it very clear that his allegiance is fully with his heavenly Father, and that nothing on earth, and just, there's a brief moment here where um, the devil is saying, it has been given to me. There's almost like a brief stewardship there, but it's not owned as such by the devil. And so even there, there's something that's not really right, Um, but the two cannot hold the same place, you can't, and this goes for us as well, we can't give the devil the same place in our lives as we give Jesus, the two cannot exist in the same place, if we worship Jesus, the devil has no place in our lives, that doesn't mean we don't encounter him every so often. Um, But then, hopefully, uh, by the end of this sermon, you will feel a bit more encouraged in how we might deal with those challenges. Third temptation, the devil led Jesus to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, there it is again, he said, throw yourself down from there, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus answered, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And so again, the devil is casting doubt, saying, if you are the son of God, not denying that he is the son of God, but the intentions here are very clear. The devil has come to destroy, to kill Jesus, if you like, hoping that no one will catch Jesus when he actually falls. Uh, and there's one very clear version in the bible that most of us will know of by heart John 10:10 10, 10, the thief only comes to steal kill and destroy i have come life that they may have it to the full and this is what the devil does to kill to kill to destroy and this is he's, jesus is a massive threat to that reign where he has brief stewardship And he is saying, actually, no, if you do this, you'll be fine and the angels will catch you. There's doubt, there's manipulation, and ultimately there's a different motive there where he's just keen to get rid of someone he does recognize as the Son of God. And for a third time, Jesus quotes from the book of Deuteronomy, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And we will be saying this later as we say the Lord's Prayer together, if we come and share in breaking bread together. We say, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And this is what the divine Jesus does. He delivers us. This is not what the devil does, but this is something uniquely that Jesus does. He delivers us. And then thirdly, and finally, as I am coming to a close, we are not heading for 40 minutes like last time. Thank you for that again. Um, <laughs> but thirdly, the Spirit-filled Jesus who saves us. So uh, the, the, the three faces, three identities, if you like, of Jesus. The human Jesus who helps us, the divine Jesus who delivers us, and the Spirit-filled Jesus who saves us. Now we get in verse one jesus full of the holy spirit left the jordan and was led by the spirit or right at the end we get jesus returned to galilee in the power of the spirit it's very clearly that jesus was infused empowered guided filled by the holy spirit between his baptism his anointing and his commissioning when he starts his earthly ministry for about three years from the age of 30 till he was 33 and died for us upon the cross. And my friends, today marks the first Sunday of Lent. As Jan already said, uh, I'm sorry, I do not have a purple stall. I hope you're not offended. Um, this is in my profession, I need less colors, if you like. And so I, I do not have those, uh, but today marks Lent. And uh, you might be planning different ways to do during Lent. And um, I hope what I'm about to say doesn't offend anyone, but um, yeah, most of us are pretty good at doing something during Lent. Uh, we're pretty good at uh, giving up maybe certain things. In my household, that will mean Netflix for example, uh, in your household it might mean different things, it might be uh, giving up chocolates, it might be staying away from your social media accounts it uh, could mean all kinds of different things, I'd just like to add a little aster- asterisk to that and saying look, if giving up these things makes you a nastier person to those around you, please don't give up anything um, because honestly, I don't think Jesus wants that, uh, I don't think your spouse will want that uh, so if if it makes you nastier, please don't do that, I think Lent gives us an amazing opportunity to become a better follower of Jesus. And yes, if that means by giving up certain things and you know yourself well enough to say, actually, that will bring me closer to God, then fantastic. That's great. If you spend more time in prayer, if you read your Bible more diligently, if you uh, read the Archbishop's Lent book, that's all fantastic. But my friends, let me remind you this morning that there is nothing that you can do to earn Jesus' love. Okay, so he won't love you any less or any more in how you spend Lent. I just want to be really clear about that because I feel at times, particularly as evangelicals, and I think this church has that at its roots. I'm certainly an evangelical at at heart and, and trained at an evangelical college in Ridley Hall in Cambridge, a great blessing to do, but we tend to default to doing. And one thing I would just like to challenge you on this morning, if that's your default, is to go for the opposite point. If your default mode is to do more, then maybe be more. So I'm as much preaching to myself here as to you out there. But for example, like Lent, Lente, it's becoming voyeur. And I, for one, love being connected to God's creation. I love seeing how gradually now with the warmer weather of the past week, following all the storms in February, how now the bulbs are coming up and the colors are appearing. and there's new life again i can find great joy in that just like i think martin luther was saying all of god's creations shouts out his praise and so i i find that but that might be a personal thing but i love being connected to god's creation like that and so for me at times it might be those moments where you go wow thank you jesus this is you at work this is the spirit is still very much here jesus physically left this earth but gave us his spirit and so that would be a challenge for you um now during lent (laughs) what is the way that you connect best and go with that if it's doing great if it's be being i would say perhaps even better because as evangelicals we tend to do we tend to do a lot of stuff and that might work well for you but you know um, maybe this year, try and try and see if there's something else that might that might fit, but just be reminded that it doesn't matter how you spend Lent. God deeply, deeply loves you, so much that this God, who was thirsty upon the cross, cried out his last and it is finished and died for you, died for me, and it didn't finished there that would have been the end of a story of a Brilliant rabbi and healer who would have died on a cross and the end of the story But that's fortunately not where our story ends the good news the amazing news the great news of Jesus Christ is that He did rise again after three days and that Jesus is alive and that he physically ascended But left us his Holy Spirit and that's why you and me can be in a personal relationship with you And if you don't know Jesus yet then please come and talk to me afterwards or to Jan or other staff here who are able to just connect you and talk about him because it's the best decision you'll ever make in your life is to follow Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and so this is what we see here we see a Jesus who was spirit-filled at his baptism commissioned and sent out And don't forget that it wasn't, um, because we get this quite a lot, that it was the devil who sent him out into the desert. Actually, if you read it closely, it's the Spirit. And you think, why? That makes no sense. Why would the Spirit send Jesus out? My friends, this had to happen. Again, Jesus was tempted so that he could help us, so that he could understand. And did that in a way where I'm guessing most of us, dare I say, have never been without food in quite a scorching hot place for 40 days. And so that gave kickstart, if you like, his ministry. So as I conclude there, it's not 40, I'm 30 minutes, I think, this time. I was aiming for 25. Sorry about that. Even my wife inquired beforehand how long it was gonna be. I don't know if that's a good thing. I'm, I'm closing, I'm literally, I'm closing. My friends, Jesus loves you. Lean into Jesus this Lent time, okay? Lean into the Jesus who is human to help you, who is divine to deliver you, who is spirit-filled, Lean into Jesus this Lent in a way that's helpful to you. There is no point of me leaving you disheartened this morning saying, you should read your Bible more, you should be praying more, you should read the Archbishop Lent book. Great as all those things are, it will just leave you deflated and I'm guessing if you're anything like me, you will stop trying even before you begin. There is no point. Just be reminded that Jesus loves you no matter what you do during Lent. And find a way that works for you. If it's being in tune with creation, that's wonderful. If it is reading a book and finding solids, that's wonderful. Jesus often retreated to a mountain. So find a way that works for you. And once again, thank you so much for having me this morning. Thank you for your faithful support. And thank you for allowing me to just briefly share that. Well, briefly, 30 minutes. Share that with you this morning and allowing my family to be with you. God bless.